0: Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're telling you what matters most from every game in the Sunday slate from week five in the NFL. We'll go down the list, we'll talk long-term, short-term outlook. Maybe it's a rookie standout, coaches, whole situation, whatever it is, you know we're gonna give it to you. I'm Trevor Sykema. With me as always is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. The opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers joining you once again for what matters most in the NFL from Week Five. We're gonna, we're going to go through every single one of the games that we saw in the Sunday slate, including. The early London game, we're throwing that bad boy in there. And we're going to tell you what our main takeaways were. Whether it was the team that won, lost, whether it was rookie performance, somebody else who was standing out, coaches, long-term, short-term, whatever. You guys know the drill. It is what matters most from every single game in Week 5. Took a little bit of a hiatus last week for that mock draft episode, but hopefully you guys were okay with that and we're back to it. Connor, how are you feeling today, my man?
1: I'm good. Listen, dude, we got a lot of ground to cover on this show. We knew the draft we still do the NFL. Yeah, we still do nonsense. We still do college with stock up. So there's unfortunately, I'm sure some favorites at times will be missed on some off weeks, but I think this is one of our staples that we we try to do as much as we can and um and we have a lot of fun with it. So I'm happy it's a of what matters most day here on Stock Exchange. Dude, speaking of shenanigans, I know you and I had a lot of fun on last
0: Wednesday's yeah, we episode did. with the new format, you know, if if anybody missed it, We had a blast. It was something that was totally new that kind of came out of nowhere where Connor and I just held up a notepad asking a question to the other person that neither of us have ever seen before about the NFL or about the draft. And it yielded some pretty great conversation, not just among us in that episode, but more importantly, with you guys, we had over 200 comments on our YouTube video, which Y'all are so awesome for that. I was scrolling, reading all the different responses to the football topics that we talked about. And then Connor, of course, it got pretty heated with the uh, the the two are defending you and the rest are coming to kill you question yep. about different animals, which again, I, I the only way that I can explain it is to tell you to go listen to the episodes because the listeners got heated about it. And uh, it was awesome to go read all those comments. We love you guys so much for how engaging you are on this
1: show. I like when we experiment with an idea and within 12 hours of the episode being out, you're like, yeah, we're going to be able to do this again. Yeah, people are going to want the no notes. Um, It's just a honestly it's a way for you and I to do topical stuff Mm -hmm. in the cleanest format and then also have a little fun at the end. So that show format will absolutely be back. We're so glad everybody got involved and really enjoyed it. And so we continue to try more stuff on this show it's those ones that always give me a smile when i read the comments and read the dms and it's always good for a laugh yeah we you guys you guys are the
0: best for that you guys obviously make the show a lot of fun for us to do so hopefully we make it a lot of fun for you guys to listen as well well let's dig into these games let's get into it what matters most from week five in the nfl you want to just start with the london game and then we can kind of rapid fire from there if you want to but all right so jags two and oh overseas not exactly helping the narrative of people who think the Jags are eventually going to be based out of London at some point in time. You're not helping your cause here. You're helping your regular season record. But 2 and oh over the last two weeks. Um, they beat the Falcons the week previous, and then they stayed in England for that extended 10-day trip, and they cap it off with another win, this time against the Buffalo Bills. 25-20. to Connor, what would you think about this game? What mattered most?
1: Well, first off, I'd like to apologize. I left Trevor Lawrence off the list of quarterbacks. I would still take over Caleb Williams. I wasn't going to bring it up. And he goes out and has (laughs) one of the best games I've seen from him as a pro. It's just funny how these things work. He Um, listens to the pod. He he listens to the
0: pod. You were just like notes when, when people talk about like, hey, what kind of music do you listen to to get you pumped up? Lawrence is in the corner. With his headphones on, just listening to Stock Exchange and Connor yes, Rogers just list off every quarterback that he would take in, over Caleb
1: Williams, and then the name isn't there. Well, it's working. He looked awesome. <laughs> he had a great game. The Jags, there's a lot of fun stuff about them. I've done the Jags on what matters most this year, notably about Tyson Campbell. But my mm. actual takeaway from this game, Trevor, is Bills related, and it's that. I have a question about the Bills, two questions about the Bills that, in my opinion, matter most for their short and long-term future right now. I wrote down, can the Bills survive the Matt Milano injury after losing Trey White? And the piggyback or the follow-up is, can Kyrie Elam, a guy you drafted, a guy you traded up for in the first round, can he step up in his absence? And right now, the answer looks like no, but he deserves a much larger sample size than that. But Matt Milano is obviously one of the most important defenders to his team in the NFL. I have seen Matt Milano, um, obvious, I mean, I cover real closely on Sundays, the Jets, I've seen Milano play against the Jets, and I've also seen Milano miss games against the Jets, and the drastic difference in that defense is insane. So my question for the Bills right now is, and everybody's got insane injuries in the NFL, so it's, you shrug and go like, tough luck, that's the sport right now. Yeah. But the Bills, who have had, it feels like extra bad luck. I just wonder if this defense can be what it's supposed to be, Trevor, while missing those kinds of guys and not getting what they were supposed to from a first, former first rounder.
0: Yeah. It's, this is the worst part of the game, right? Injuries yep. that, you, that you have to deal with where, you look at the Bills and you look at the Bills over the last couple of years and they've been one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And I don't think that this year was any different. You and I chatted before the season. I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl because I, I still felt like they were a team that had a roster to get them to that point. And I felt like the ball just had not bounced their way over the last couple of years. And because of that, people were getting Bills fatigue. But this team was still really good, led by a really good quarterback and a guy who can take you to a Super Bowl ceiling. But when you start talking about injuries to guys that are as crucial for your success as Matt Milano, as Trey White when he's playing really well. Right. I mean, the list is very short of players that the Bills could afford to lose that would be worse than Milano. I, I mean, what's the list? Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, maybe? That's I it? think
1: that's it. Is that I it? Really I really think that's it. I mean, they've already been missing Vaughn this year and he got right. some snaps and, and Vaughn's game. coming
0: back. So at least they right. get
1: that. And that's very, that
0: that's nice. But man, it felt like when we were watching that game, Rich Eisen just continued, like kept having to say like, all right, we got another Buffalo bills player down. And um, I agree with you. I think a, a big part of what matters most. I'm glad that you brought up the bills angle is the fact that they're going through all of these injuries. And the Kyrie part is, is really crucial because he was a healthy scratch. Right. in the first four weeks of the season and then he plays this past week against Jacksonville, um, basically just because he had to because of injury it wasn't really because it was like, all right, well, you've elevated your play. Now we're going to start you. Now it's almost like desperation. And I guess there are worse things than desperately playing a former first round pick at corner who could still work sure. out for you. But there's I, I agree with you completely. This is a huge, huge moment
1: for Kyir Elam uh, and he needs to step up for this team. He does, and I, the Bills need to step up. You know their their defense needs to come together, and they need to cover up for the deficiencies without Milano, and that's on the staff. And the reality is, as unfair as this may be, this team is going to need a little bit more of Josh Allen being Superman than we even expected, because I don't know if this defense will go out and win you as many games as they typically can when they're missing that much upper echelon talent, while also trying to get their star pass rusher back into form and that's going to take a little bit so I'm not writing the bills off I just think much like a lot of bills fans I know I saw the reactions in game I just hate that I'm writing down more questions for them already at this point of the season
0: yeah my what matters most I'll go to the Jags side it's it's very simple just Trevor Lawrence is that dude man I mean just an encapsulation of you've got the right guy is that Fade past to the sideline to Calvin Ridley with everything on the line. Exactly, I mean, it's, it's just you go through an entire scouting process, and you 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 vet a player as much as possible, and you you try to put them through all sorts of mental situations, and you look at all sorts of different categories of statistics, simply to answer the question: Does can this player make the throw? To Calvin Ridley over the shoulder at the sideline with the game on the line? And the answer is just 100% yes. They they have the right guy in Trevor Lawrence. I know Jacksonville fans are frustrated for some other reasons, right? We've talked about the pass rush here before on this show. The overall defensive talent still needs to take a step forward. Uh, There have been some really tough drops, I think, from this entire receiving room for – I'll say the entire start to this season. I mean, it's got to be better from Jacksonville's receivers. They can't keep letting the offense down this way. Um, I don't know where they rank and drop passes for the league. Probably should have looked that up before I brought this point. But I just feel as though it's got to be much better from them. And if it is, Lawrence is going to get you where you want to go. He's number five right now in PFF passing grade on the season. Um, So once again, he's in that top 10. He's in that top group. And I just wanted to remind everybody that progress is not linear. Right, It's not like it's, it's just always going to go up. You're going to go through your ups and downs, even as the arrow is pointing up. Trembalke has made some questionable roster-building moves, and I understand how that's frustrating. But Doug Peterson's still the head coach. Trevor Lawrence is still the quarterback. And the rest of the stuff is just a matter of figuring it out around them. So they are still going in the right direction. And to me, that is absolutely what matters most. To come out of London in that 10-day stretch, 2-0, and well done by the Jags, and they should be pumped about it moving forward.
1: No doubt. I'm with you all the way. Awesome game for the Jags. Awesome London trip for the Jags. Momentum that they can build on in a division that looks a little tougher than we expected. I'll say that. You want to move to the 1 PMs? Yes. Which one you want to start with? Saints-Patriots.
0: <laughs> okay. I, maybe. All right. Yeah. All I mean, right.
1: We're starting with heat. We're starting we are... with heat. 34 to nothing heat.
0: In... In the name Good of the Lord. New Orleans Saints. Oh, brother, I'll let you take this one because okay. um, I've got a Patriots take. I don't know if you got a Patriots take or a Saints take, but
1: uh, I'll let you I'll let you battle lead off. That. I have a Patriots take. OK, all right. We're probably just going to both talk about the same thing. but My Patriots take is the Patriots have a lot of problems right mm-hmm. now that have been kind of mounting since Tom left. Mm-hmm. But Mac Jones is a major part. Of those problems, I constantly see the conversation as, well, yeah, but they don't have a lot of good receivers. Or, well, yeah, the offense was so bad last year, it set him back, and he's he's trying to, you know, swim upstream now. And, well, yeah, but it... no, Mac Jones is a massive part of this entire problem. He's a massive part of this entire problem. Uh, I'm pretty sure he leads the league in turnover-worthy plays with 12. He oh, was he of the 12 man bone, cru- soul <laughs> crushing turnovers, game altering, turnovers bone crushing. That was the wrong phrase. I mean, it look, it it could still be. It's can feel that way. And here's the thing, too. We constantly do this. Well, they're, you know, instruct. He has to play in structure and they don't have enough talent to constantly win in structure. That is part of the problem. He is not one of the quarterbacks in the league that can make a play when things go wrong and things go wrong in the NFL a lot. That is the league right now. The athletes in the front seven are insane. Your offensive line is going to get beat a lot. Mm -hmm. He is a very limited quarterback. Yeah. And that is part of all of new England's issues. And I wish people would just accept that for what it is that, New England has a lot of work to do to get better, and they can do it. It's the Patriots. It's Bill Belichick. Like They will probably have a pretty high draft pick this year. But getting more out of the quarterback position is the biggest step to move forward of that. And I think a lot of people just need to accept that. It blows my mind the pretzel people are twisting themselves in to say that they need to make it better around Mac and then it'll go better. No, they need to make the quarterback position better on top of all of those things.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I could not agree with you more. One of the main points that I was going to hammer home is New England's drafting a quarterback in the first round.
1: They all have to, you have know, to.
0: we went through a mock draft last week. I, I wrote one over at PFF.com and a lot of the responses that I got were based around. I had Bo Nix going to the Patriots in my written mock and there were a decent amount of of people who responded to that and were they were like, there's no way Bo Nix is better than Mac Jones. Now, whatever you think of Bo Nix, that part might end up being true. We'll see. But certainly right now, you got to take a swing at a quarterback who at least has a lot more arm talent than Mac Jones does. And Bo Nix absolutely does. A lot more athleticism than Mac Jones does. Bo Nix absolutely does. And so that's why I had him be the pick because I'm right. with you 100% you can win games in this league with Mac Jones if he plays on a team where everything else is like completely superior like if you put Mac Jones on the Eagles in Jalen Hurts spot okay sure he's going to win you football games San Francisco I, I, right i think it's easy to 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 say San Francisco cuz a lot of people tough. say San Francisco it's but... tough to find yourself a San Francisco right right and 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 you draft a quarterback in the first round because you know that Odds are, you're not going to have an offense like we see in Miami. You're not going to have an offense like you see in Philadelphia or in San Francisco. Chances are, because you live in the salary cap era, you're going to have little deficiencies here and there. The team is so rarely going to be as perfect as fans might want it to be. Say, oh, what's he supposed to do? Because the offensive line, oh, what's he supposed to do? He's got no run game. Oh, what's he supposed to do? He's got no receiver. He's supposed to be better than what Mac Jones is right now. That's what he's supposed to be. And you draft a quarterback in the first round to elevate not just a ceiling, but to elevate a floor so that when the rest of the scheme might be breaking down, when the run game doesn't have it this week, and when the receivers aren't separating as well, you still have a player that can get it done. Right? I mean, that, that argument is why I have, I have faith in Justin Herbert in Los Angeles, because there's a lot of times where like, whether it's the lack of the run game or maybe the receivers weren't playing super well, or maybe the defense was letting him down, whatever. Herbert basically gets whatever he can possibly get out of the unit almost on a weekly basis. And that's why I yeah. think he's one of the best in the NFL. And that's why we talked about uh, when we did what matters most a couple weeks ago, you choose Justin Herbert over Brandon Staley at this point because he is that type of first round quarterback. He is that type of elevator. So I would agree with you hundred percent on, uh, on Mac Jones and, you know, just kind of expanding it and getting a little bit more into Belichick. I think a lot of people are, are souring on Belichick. And I think we've got to have a level-headed conversation about this year. Bill's not a good roster builder. No he's he's not he he never really has been you know i i think that when you nail it as good as you did with brady which remember sixth round pick entirely bill was a defensive genius and guru and i still think that he is So a lot of his defenses were just been elite over the last 20 years. That knowledge and that genius, that forward thinking, that elevation. I mean, remember when Sean McVay was just absolutely taking over the league? Nobody could stop him early on in his tenure. He was running so many different plays out of 11 personnel. Nobody knew what was coming next. They ran through the league. Then Belichick held him three points in the Super Bowl. It's just who he is as a coach. So it's not even like you got to point to 2007 numbers to get good Belichick stats. You don't have to go back very far. Now, it's been tough since Brady because when you lose the greatest quarterback of all time, yeah, yeah, you're probably going to expose some other parts of the roster. But I just think that people need to, when they criticize the Patriots, I think that criticizing them is very fair. You have to be able to delegate between the two of Belichick, the general manager, Belichick, the team builder, and then Belichick, the coach. Because I still believe that Belichick, the head coach, is one of the best if not the best head coaches in the NFL. The team builder has always been bad. Their run game is terrible right now. It is without question the worst in the NFL in terms of EPA per rush. They have the lowest yards before contact in the NFL, and I think they have the lowest yards after contact in the NFL. They don't have guys in the backfield. They don't have the guys up front. They don't have receivers that can separate. And now that the defense is kind of banged up, Matthew Judon's not there. Christian Gonzalez is out. Yeah, right. And so it's it's not going to look good in New England. And one other point I wanted to make is people like to do this Brady versus Belichick thing. And I think it's really unfair to Bill when you do that. Because people look at the last three years, three or four years since Brady left, and they look at what the Patriots have become, the an exposed roster, not really much forward movement, and in fact, clearly, very clearly, going in the wrong direction. And then they look at Brady and they say, well, Brady won a Super Bowl without Bill. Okay, Bill loses the greatest quarterback of all time to his roster and Brady simply drops into one of the best rosters in the NFL with one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL in Tampa, and guess what? They won the Super Bowl because of that. Brady's situation to success was a whole hell of a lot easier than Belichick's was. And I know that I'm rambling at this point, but uh, my what matters most is definitely in, in sync with yours about the quarterback position. But it is also when you're calling for Belichick's head here, if you want to call for his head as a general manager, okay, we can talk about that. Y'all got to remember that he put on the greatest decade or the greatest dynasty we've seen in NFL history over the last 20 years. And I just want to make sure that that part gets remembered.
1: Yeah, I think, like most things, it always goes too far each way, right? I think that sometimes, man, the game, I'm not saying the game is passed by Bill Belichick, but the, construction of an nfl roster absolutely has yeah because they look like a team that wants to play football 12 years ago and it just doesn't fit today's game yeah so all right where do you want to go next um shout out to new orleans winning 37 to 34 yeah sorry saints fans i mean that's just this (laughs) this the patriots are the story here because your team whooped their ass that bad
0: um houston atlanta you want to talk a little bit about houston atlanta yes all right. So Atlanta wins this game, 21 to 19. Thriller at the end. Once again, Falcons just will not die in the second yeah. half, but specifically in the fourth quarter. Um, they come away three and two on the year.
1: Texans drop to two and three. But uh Connor, what was your what matters most from this one? I think that when Desmond Ritter's back was against the wall, like we're talking he has a bad game. They should bench him that level of back against the wall. Mm -hmm. He did everything he could to keep a hold of the starting job and led the offense to be efficient, functioning through the air. He obviously had the touchdown on the ground as well. That was massive. Gets it done at the end when it matters most. I think that that was the takeaway from this game for me is that a passing offense that has had a lot of low points this year and a team that has a highly paid backup in Taylor Heineke that can play to an extent, Ritter's a young guy, but he really, really needed this kind of game to regain the confidence of his coaching staff, of his team, of everyone involved. Both They got both Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith involved. It wasn't just Jonu Smith's show wow. on that front. I know. Wow. Kyle, really... Kyle
0: Pitts led the team in targets and receptions, by the way. And like receiving was... yards. He went, he got the triple crown?
1: Wow. Enjoy it. Yeah, wow. we haven't seen much of that. So, yeah, that that's what stands out to me the most because Atlanta, Atlanta has a good defense, in my opinion. They have a lot of talent on defense. Atlanta has a rushing attack that should be the bulk of their offense because of the talent they have and because of the coach they have and how they built this team. But Desmond Ritter still needs to be adequate enough as a passer for all of those things to even matter. And in this game... He absolutely was, and now he needs to string together performances like this to hold on to this job.
0: Yeah, I, I thought that Ritter had his best game, right? And, and I think too. that that was very, very important for him. Not that, not that I really think they're going to bench him. I feel like they're just kind of like you, you kind of got to ride with Ritter at this point, right? I, I, don't, I don't know. No, know.
1: you think they you—you you think they would? They would. Move I think it was getting. I think eat. it was getting scary. Because you have a lot of veterans on this team. You have a coach that really needs to start winning. You have a division that is ripe for the taking. You can't have an anchor under center. Otherwise, why did you pay Taylor Heineke to come be your backup? Like, my whole thought with Heineke was that he was always an insurance if Ritter absolutely, as we say on the show, turned into a pumpkin. And for many games this year, he has been. But the team's been good enough. And this was the game where he was good enough to go win them the game.
0: I thought that he, he, he certainly was not the re he did not end up being the reason why they lost. And I agree with you back against the wall played very well. I think CJ Stroud on the other side, it's, it's an obvious at this point, but this is such a, what matters most to me. I, I figured that we would talk about the quarterback positions in this matchup because they were the most important, but Stroud, man, it was another phenomenal showing for him and, When I say phenomenal, I want to make sure people know like I'm not calling him a top five quarterback in the league, but for a rookie and certainly for a rookie that I had concerns about with how he was going to play under pressure. This is a big deal to me. This start for Stroud is a big deal to me. He's playing so well that, like, parts of me is even like, okay, wait, wait, hold on. Are we too good now? Like, is this even sustainable? Like, is this I his know. identity? When are, is we, are we going to fall out? Yeah, yeah get to get to take a step back. Now, look, he hasn't thrown an interception this year. He has had three turnover-worthy plays that come from passing, and they've been sporadic. It's really been, I think, it was there was one in the Baltimore game. There was one in the Jags game and then there was one this past weekend. And so there, there have been three that you could say, okay, those could have been interceptions because I really don't care about the interception stat. Certainly when you compare it to having data, like we do where we categorize them as turnover worthy plays, like that's what I want to see further down, but still for a rookie quarterback to be three weeks into the season, hasn't thrown an interception yet and only has three turnover worthy type throws To me that's really really impressive so stroud continues to impress and i know it wasn't a officially a game winning drive from him but it kind of was right he did everything possible that was within his power to win that game so when you look at it in the grand scheme of things that was about as game winning drive type of a, a moment as he was going to get. And he absolutely performed very, very well um, getting into the end zone there. So great to see again from Stroud. But um, yeah, I, I think that I would agree with you.
1: The Ritter point is, is a massive one about uh, him keeping that job for sure. All right. Titans Colts. You want to kick this one off? I've kind of gotten a steel to steal the shine instantly right away each time. So, You know, my
0: big takeaway from this one is, honestly, I'm pretty damn impressed with the Indianapolis Colts defense, with what Gus Bradley is doing with that unit. And I looked at the numbers afterwards, and I thought that they would be better from Indianapolis, honestly. From watching them over the last couple of weeks, the way that it feels like they have really put a stress on their opponents, whether it was the Ravens or certainly this past weekend with the Titans, how they stepped up big time. It's not perfect, but I looked it up. Overall, EPA per play allowed, 17th. EPA per rush allowed 15th, EPA per pass allowed 18th. So they're right in the middle of the NFL in terms of all of those numbers. But man, it just feels like when they need to show up, they do. And they're really not afraid of any opponent that they're facing. And I think that Zaire Franklin, their linebacker, I'm giving a big shout out to him, a big salute to him. He had the fourth, fourth and one stop against Derrick Henry. I mean, holy cow. To have a situation where you are going wouldn't quite one-on-one, but essentially one-on-one with Derrick Henry fourth and one gotta have it. He knows that, you know that, and you absolutely stopped the man cold. I think afterwards in the game, unless this quote was fabricated, I think that he said like, yeah, Henry's the King and I stopped the King. So what does that make me? Well, it makes you Kingslayer. That's what it does. And I saw that nickname thrown around there. So I want to give Zaire Franklin his flowers. He is one of like five linebackers in NFL history who have started the season with five straight double-digit tackle games. So the man's all over the place. He's forcing fumbles, tackles for loss, ton of tackles just right at the line of scrimmage as well. A lot of solo stops and obviously the raw tackle stats too. So whether it's Zaire Franklin or a lot of other players on that defense, I feel like the Colts are playing well or at least – I feel like we're on the cusp of them taking that next step. I mocked them a corner in our mock draft, and I still think that that's probably an area they need more talent in. But I, I, I'm just I'm impressed with what I've seen from Indianapolis defense uh, so far early on this season.
1: I'm sticking with the Colts as well, and the good thing is I'm going on the offensive side of the ball. The Colts' offensive depth has kept their season alive and well. And what I mean by that is, like, All the storylines and fun has been around Anthony Richardson's big plays. And now Jonathan Taylor is back. And that's all great. I know Richardson's hurt now. That's not so great. But Gardner Minshew and Zach Moss have basically been unsung heroes of this team. And true. I I mean, my what matters most is that while Richardson's out and while Taylor is not Jonathan Taylor, because it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. He has not played a lot of football recently. They have enough guys under center and Gardner, a quarterback, and of course, Zach Moss in the backfield that they'll be fine. The Colts will be fine. And I think that's a credit to two guys that have been basically written off, cast offs. It's kind of cool to me. It's a storyline in the NFL. I don't think really a lot of people care about Zach moss was drafted in the third round by the bills the bills a team it seems like they're always looking for that running back to be the real threat of the offense and it didn't work out in buffalo Mm -hmm. he gets dumped in the Naheem Hines train trade like dumped and the dude is unbelievable this year i mean truly he's unbelievable this year this past game was nuts against a front that's really good tennessee's front is really really good a lot of guys a lot of guys don't run on them and when you look at gardner he's the prototypical backup backup that comes in and can do more than enough to just play point guard. So what matters most is that in a division that has been devoured by injuries, plenty Mm -hmm. the Colts under Chris Ballard actually have some depth here that can keep them afloat. And I think that's, I know they're plus 400 to win the division. Jacksonville is obviously the well-earned expected team to take this one away. But I don't think the Colts, even with their injuries and their delay of getting Jonathan Taylor back to being himself, are going away.
0: Yeah. Josh Downs, big, big, um, big step up game for him, too. Yeah. He, he, he plays well with Gardner.
1: Six, There's six a drastic six. difference
0: six for six, six targets, six receptions, um, team leading 97 yards in the passing game. So, I mean, it, it just feels like it's it's coming along for Indianapolis in a lot of different ways. They're not that perfect team yet, but we've talked about. I've I've certainly talked about how much I love what Shane Steichen's got going on there. And um, they're another team, just like the Jags. I feel like they're going in the right direction. Maybe they're not quite on the Jags plane yet, but I think that both of those teams are going in the right direction. And we wondered if this division would just straight up suck. And it's not. It, it, it's really not. Tennessee's going to be competitive every single week because Vrabel's going to have his guys competitive every week. Um, Colts are clearly playing better than I thought that they were going to. CJ Stroud's got... The Texans playing very, very well. And then you got the Jags at the top. So very quietly and surprisingly, a intriguing division
1: here in the early NFL season.
0: All right, where are we going next?
1: Ravens Steelers. Jeez. I mean, Raven Steelers peak form <sighs> of just this rivalry stays true to its reputation.
0: I gotta, I gotta look up, Brad. Spielbergers tweet because um this was a stat that I was going to look up at some point. Uh, I wonder if this, it's the one I have Is it a
1: Ravens related stat? Yeah. Is it the drop stat? Yeah. All right. Go ahead and seven.
0: Ahead.
1: Yes, but like the history of it. Oh, please go on. Okay. All right.
0: Hold on. Now I gotta find it. Hold My on. whole point was that he's tweeting about Cole Komet. Sorry, I gotta I, I gotta I- scroll past on, all Brad. these Cole tweets.
1: <laughs> so much good content. And he got Cole Komet And now we got Cole <laughs> Oh man! I res- listen as somebody that has probably tweeted about Tyler Conklin before. I I can't even say anything.
0: God damn, he's getting these tweets off.
1: What are we? All right, what were you gonna say? All right, I found it, but what were you gonna say? I mean, my whole thing of what matters most is the Ravens. I re- initially, when I watched this game, I wrote down why can't this Ravens offense find rhythm under Todd Munkin and uh, MVP quarterback? And Then I answered my own question. Like, until somebody helps out Lamar Jackson, this offense won't find rhythm. That's the answer. It's not It's not that they don't have the quarterback. It's not that they can't throw. It's not that they don't have the play caller. It's not that they're not a good team because they're a really good team. Help them out. Four big-time throws, seven drops, and not just drops where it's like, okay, ran a curl on second and eight, and I dropped it. Like, damn, third down just got tougher. It's back-breaking touchdown drops, back-breaking first downs,
0: downs, explosive plays.
1: Yeah, dude. It's all there. It is all there. And until these guys help out Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin, they won't find rhythm. So the good thing is, it's pretty easy. Catch the ball. Catch the football. And you'll be an explosive (laughs) offense with an MVP quarterback playing at a high level. Yeah. The problem is, Trevor... I don't trust this group of pass catchers at all, at all. They don't look like anything of what they were supposed to be. Yeah, and I was going to say, how how shitty is that? Because we have, for so
0: long, just been begging the Ravens to get some sort of passing weapon around Lamar. Really, since his MVP season, when it felt like he was kind of like doing it alone. And for a little bit there, it was Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is a big uh, part of why they were having success in the past game over the last couple of years, he was he I think led the team in drops this this past week. If I
1: am not mistaken,
0: he had the drop in the end zone for sure. But Connor Odell Beckham. Now, okay, journeyman, I get it. Former first round pick, ton of talent. Should at the very, if you want to say, hey, he's not the Odell of old, he should at least be able to catch football, okay? right? Former first-round pick. He's letting him down. Rashad Bateman, former first-round pick. Okay? Can't, ca- can't catch right now. Zay and Flowers. Zay got hurt, right? Zay, I think, did get hurt. But still, Zay had drops. Zay I Flowers, yeah. first-round pick. That was a problem for Zay. They have invested a first-round pick in Zay Flowers, a first-round pick in Rashad Bateman, a third-round pick in Mark Andrews, but and then going out to get another guy who they were just hoping was like the icing on the cake with Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah.
1: Like, we got a problem, let's triple down on fixing. All of
0: these guys let him down. Yep, Lamar had a 93.4 passing grade at the end of the, at the end. Oh, yeah. This is, Lamar's performance is why PFF exists. To to make sure that you know that he was phenomenal in this game. He had a adjusted completion percentage of, I think it was 78. I think it's, on the season, it's like 78.5. I mean, Lamar is dialed in this year. He has so much control of this offense. I I think he is already in really good sync with what Todd Munkin wants to do. Just catch the freaking football. That's it. All right, so Brad's tweet. All right, so here it is. Cole Komet, wait, no, sorry. Um, Lamar Jackson with an all-time letdown from his receiving court. Ravens were credited with seven drops, which is the third most of any singular week of any team in the NFL since 2017, including two in the end zone and two more on throws that would have been categorized as big-time throws, 20 or more yards down the field. Catch the ball, people. Just catch the football. And they know that. Um, My what matters most, I mean, that was definitely going to be one of them. (laughs) The Steelers. (laughs) Brother, Mike Tomlin is a magician. I don't understand. I he don't. The, understand. How does he keep doing this? This is, he is almost challenging himself, keeping Matt Canada around as offensive coordinator to see just how close he can get to not finishing 500 on the season to feel alive. That's where we are with the Steelers. So, Tay Seth, who uh, used to work at PFF, now he works for Summer Sports, he tweeted this out. Here are the Steelers' offensive success rates in their three wins this season. Okay, Uh, Versus the Browns, first percentile. So you guys guys know how it works on this show. 99th percentile is good, first percentile is bad. So their win versus the Browns, success rate of their offense, first percentile. Versus the Raiders, 18th percentile. Versus the Ravens,
1: 10th percentile. How is this happening? It's insane way to to live. An insane way to live.
0: <laughs> How is this happening? I mean, the defense. I mean, look, their defensive line is absolutely ferocious. T.J. Watt's having a defensive M- MVP type of season. I just combined defensive player of the year and MVP trophies into one. He'd give them both at this point. I don't care. He's been unreal. Alex Highsmith's been unreal. The corners, all right, here's my actual what matters most. Uh, the Steelers need to draft a corner in the first round, this upcoming draft. They're bad. Uh, Joy Porter Jr. has been great so far, but it's corner, so we know that it's going to have its ups and downs, especially as a rookie. So, like, uh, we can expect him to regress a little bit, and that's going to be fine. But he is graded very highly for this team so far when he has played. Um, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, both of them have coverage grades below 60. Like, these guys, it's... It, We can't keep throwing them out there, especially next year. You invested a decently high pick in Joey Porter Jr. last year. Do not let that be the all right, we're good to go. We're good to go here. I think you got to draft a corner with one of your first two picks this upcoming draft, depending on where you end up picking finally. But that's my that's another what matters most that I had for Pittsburgh.
1: I'm with you. They've had a problem at that position for a long, long time. And, you know, where Patrick Peterson is at in his career is not going to be a fix for it. All right. How about Lions Panthers? All right. <clears throat> Wait, okay. I this one's gonna this one's gonna
0: be long-winded for your boy. So I feel like we got to get an ad read in before that. Can we do that? Yeah. All right. You guys can do it. Can we do that? It's we got to get paid. Our families.
1: Imagine I said
0: no. Yeah, no. All right. So Bryce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Ads, look, no. Look, this time of year, it's all about the routine, right? Back to school, back to work, you know, fall time, you're getting into your routines. You're figuring things out. You're getting very, very comfortable. You're forming that checklist every single day, every single week. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family's budget with quality policies, like million dollar coverage for less than a dollar a day, get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust fabric to protect their family And apply today in just minutes over at meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. That's M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash stock exchange. Policies issued by Western and Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, kick us off. Uh, Lions, Panthers, do you have a Lions
1: take or do you have a Panthers take? I have a Lions take. That's probably not very fun, right? Like you probably have a Lions take. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but you and I are going to collaborate on the
0: Panthers. What matters most, I already know that. So go ahead, go off on on Lions. Let's hear it.
1: Okay, I wrote down two things. One is like a no duh, so I'm not going to expand on it. Aiden Hutchinson is just a star, and is a star, a star player. So now you have, you look at that draft, right? Which is kind of a weird draft to look back at in hindsight the 2022 draft like overall or just alliance the top 10 of it let's say let's keep it i need i need a refresher here
0: let's get it yeah that's i got it
1: up for you i want to read it to you okay go ahead because really in the top eight there are only two star players right now Mm, okay sauce gardner and aiden hutchinson trayvon walker went one to jacksonville aiden hutchinson went to detroit okay
0: cool Derek yeah, but...
1: Stingley went three to the Texans.
0: All right, not great. He's been hurt, but also been not hurt as good again. As, as, as what we've wanted. Okay.
1: Sauce went fourth. Kayvon Thibodeau went fifth. I- Icky went sixth to Carolina. Okay. Evan Neal has been as big of a disaster on and off the field with his mouth for the Giants that you could ever find in a draft at seven. And Drake London went eighth to the Falcons.
0: Whoa, 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 Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? When I not calling Drake, Drake London a hit. I are not calling him a star.
1: I think he's a nice player. All right, I might take offense to that. I, I like have, Drake London. But I haven't decided yet. Haven't decided. I just, I just, I, I like Drake London a lot. I just don't know because until this week, Desmond Ritter was trying to do a Marcus Mariota impression in a Falcons uniform.
0: I'm so mad. I'm so mad that for my final big board, and my final rankings, I put Jameson Williams at one over Drake London. I'm so mad, Connor. I'm so mad. The whole draft cycle, I was yeah, just was standing the on the Never chair pulled. and I was like, Drake London, wide receiver one. And look, Jameson Williams hasn't played for a variety of different reasons. He can right. still be. A He's back now, but, we need I, to see I, I think that he could still be a fantastic pro, but it still makes me mad because I felt like I cheated myself. I felt like I went against myself just because it was, I, I listened you to are Mr. Drake London. I know. Ben. And I ended you up having him. as He was,
1: he was still top 15 fun, for me, but the funny it's thing great. is I did something similar. So I had Garrett Wilson one that year. And I, um, I always, I had never moved him, but I moved Jameson up to two. God, <laughs> I did the same thing. We're, like, bad. Matt, we're bad at all right. We, we gotta we just, hold each other accountable. I know That's what we're here for. I know. I loved Drake London that entire fall, that entire winter. I, I don't I don't know. Then I made Jameson two after Garrett Wilson. So yeah, this by the way isn't even my take, but I just wanted Aiden <laughs> Hutchinson to get love for being a star. Yeah, my take yeah, is yeah. that Ben Johnson will pick his job this offseason. Yeah. He will pick his job. Yeah. The Lions are fun to watch. They're creative. They're great at using their personnel. They're great at managing volume all around, spreading the ball around. They understand how to draft and use a tight end. And Sam Laporta, which it feels like three teams in the NFL know how to draft and use a tight end. Maybe that's being too much. Ben Johnson will pick his job. I hope I Ben agree. Johnson goes wherever. Well, this is tricky. Obviously, you hope he goes where either Caleb goes, but assuming that maybe whoever gets Caleb, if it's like the Bears, we don't know if it'll be a new head coach. I want Ben Johnson to be with Drake May. Is my whole kind of thing. Do we we think?
0: What's the the percent chance that you think Lincoln Riley would follow Caleb? Ooh, wow. What's the percent Ah. at this point? I should have saved this question for the notepad.
1: What am I doing? 8%. Eight. I think I think he I think he loves USC. I also think it's like twelve. Because let's. What is Lincoln? But if you're ever gonna. But if you're ever gonna
0: make the jump, this is when
1: you make the jump. This is when you make the jump. You go with him, one hundred percent. So Lincoln Riley is on a smooth ten year, hundred ten million dollar contract.
0: Very smooth.
1: Here's the thing, folks. Like that's. You got to blow that out of the water to get him to come to the NFL. And I still don't even think Lincoln Lincoln's personality. I don't really think he's really jumping at the NFL. But you make an interesting point. Yeah, but man, I. Whoever like whoever is in position to draft Caleb or Drake, I'd love
0: Ben Johnson
1: can get Ben Johnson you'd all think right, unless hold, you're a hold, colossal disaster all
0: right hold on we're, we're pulling up tankathon.
1: lions fans are probably sitting here like wow thanks you're talking about our team's gonna lose its its best coach well they are
0: like, like we yeah, enjoy lost, it now they should have lost ben johnson last They th- should have he should be coaching and, bryce but i think Young but right i think lions fans know that lions fans know that god if only oh man that's a great transition into bryce but yeah where i don't I feel like the only place where Ben Johnson could
1: realistically get with Drake May at this point is Vegas. That's the thing, right? Isn't it? It's kind of weird because all the teams that are expected to pick in the top 10 now, and yes, it's early, are going to lose their head coaches. It's right. Isn't it very strange? Very it's really strange. strange. I don't maybe Chicago fires zebra flus. I'm not really that convinced of that, but who knows? Sean Payton's not getting fired, although he's no. been a complete disaster. Oh, we'll, we'll Kevin get O'Connell's not getting fired. He's, no. he's not the problem. Bill's not Bill getting Belichick's
0: fired. not getting fired. No. Gannon's not getting fired. Dayball's not getting fired.
1: It's Salva's, Vegas.
0: Salva's not getting fired.
1: No. Rogers is going to go I mean, bad. Ron Rivera. Yeah, he could. Just, he could be fired. So it's basically like Vegas he's, and Washington. Washington's not. I still don't think Washington's a bad team, though. No, I don't like, either. But Washington I don't know, If you won't told be me if you though.
0: told me that Washington's gonna finish the year I don't know their schedule, right? Eight nine, head, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like if you told me Washington's gonna finish the year nine and eight, I'd be like, all right. If you told me Washington's gonna finish the year four and thirteen, I'd be like, yeah, all right.
1: I wouldn't I think they're better than that.
0: You just think they're better than that?
1: I think they are such a classic Treadwater my situation. Response.
0: All right. All
1: right. Yeah, it's right? Nice. Exactly. <laughs> my
0: response is everything. Exactly. All right. My what matters most. God, I, I got to stop saying that word now. I'm just going to hear it in my head. Uh, I got to start saying it like Saban. So my what matters most is about Bryce Young and the Carolina mm. Panthers. I tweeted this out on Sunday. Never tweet. Never tweet. Bryce is so far in his own head right now. This is not the player that we saw at Alabama. And I don't think this is going to be the player that we're going to see throughout his NFL career. But you are beginning to flirt with disaster because Connor, you and I had this conversation. I think it was a, I think it was a fan question about like when to start rookie quarterbacks and things like that. And my answer is always, when you know that that quarterback is not going to be rattled and that their confidence is not going to be shot for the long term, start them as early as you can. Now, unt- but until you hit that moment, you better, you better not ruin. Them. You better not throw them out there before they're ready because where you want to get live reps, if you kill somebody's confidence, it can kill a career. For Bryce, he's making mistakes that we never even saw him make at Alabama, even in his first couple of games as a starter. Like he is just so far in his own head with the protection and the pass rush and the receivers not getting open and the play calls and everything that he does he doesn't trust what's going on in Carolina so much right now that this past week, you could see he doesn't even trust himself. It's it is it is to the point where He is really doubting everything he sees around him. Now, I think that that's also context to explain some things. There are people who are, it feels like, already kind of taking victory laps on Bryce Young. Oh, yeah. I had Bryce Young number one overall. As did I. This show's never been wrong. I am not trying to say this as a Bryce Young, wrong. I have I'm not trying to say this as a Bryce Young apologist. I'm trying to bring context to it. Bryce does not have the physical gifts to overcome the deficiencies on his team right now. He doesn't. So if you are expecting to see that from him, that is an unfair curve that you are judging him on. He's not. Anthony Richardson right now is able to stand out in the NFL because his physical gifts allow him to stand out right now in the NFL. Anthony Richardson is still figuring it out. It's not perfect for him. His processing isn't completely perfect, but he'll give you those handful of really great throws. Why? Because he has the physical ability to do it. So throughout his struggles, he will still show you flashes because that is a part of his scouting report that we absolutely love. It is a good thing that we see that. The same can be said for Stroud. Stroud has a massive arm. He's got big arm talent. So as Stroud has not looked perfect, he has been able to put out there some really great throws because it doesn't need to be perfect for you to show that you were athlete enough to play at the NFL position. And when there are deficiencies, when you have that athletic baseline or even ceiling, it allows you to stand out more. The reason why Bryce Young was seen as the guy who was the number one overall pick is not because of his physical gifts. So if you expect him to show physical gifts outside of his current situation in his rookie season, I don't know what to tell you. You weren't looking at the right thing. In all honesty, Bryce Young's scouting report was always going to be justified or not, and who he was as a prospect was always going to be justified or not based on year two and probably year three. To expect him to come out there in week one and dazzle at the NFL level when we knew that he was going to have athletic deficiencies that he was going to have to get over, is a ridiculous notion. It's a ridiculous starting point for him. And it's unfair to judge him that way. So to me, as long as Bryce Young still believes in himself at the end of this year, I don't really care what it looks like. I don't. The receivers in Carolina are going to be better than they are this year. It was one of the, if not the worst, receiving groups in the NFL going into the season. This is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They're basically bottom five in every single PFF category that we have judging offensive lines. The pass blocking is horrible. The time to throw is horrible. They're not clicking as a unit. There have been guys in and out of that lineup. It's not good. And then I also think the play calling just has not been what it's needed to be. So to sit here and be like, oh, well, Bryce isn't looking as good as these other guys. Of course he's not. He doesn't have the physical gifts those players do. And if you want to say, okay, well, that's why I would have taken them. That's why I would have taken these other guys over Bryce Young. I'm not drafting Bryce Young to look the best as a rookie. I'm drafting Bryce Young to have the longest NFL career to win me a Super Bowl. And he showed at Alabama, the to me, the mental fortitude, the adaptation to pressure, that clutch gene, all of those things are why I had him number one overall. And you're not going to see, you, you are not going to see those things right now currently in Carolina. So there's no reason, I don't think, to overreact to how he's playing. If you want to be right about Bryce Young, guess what? If you're right yeah, you're about him now, it. you're, you're, you're yep. going gonna to be right about him in year two. You're going to be right about him in year three. But I'm not anywhere close to writing the book on who Bryce Young is. And I think year two no. and year three were always the timeline for when you would see that player manifest and actually get to that elite level of a player who you think could be a – um, bring you the ceiling of a franchise quarterback mentally and
1: how he processes the game. His struggle illuminated how much work Carolina needs as a roster on offense. And it's not that he's guilt-free, he's making mistakes, he's not getting 100%. he's not comfortable, he's not seeing the field. All those things are a problem. But they are so far away offensively, bigger than him for a what 21, 22 year old it's yeah, it's the victory laughing needs to be a little careful.
0: And I I just I again, like, I don't mean to be a it's the world we live in, though. I, I, I don't mean to, like, defend the guy beyond what you need to, but. Bryce was never going to stand out physically in his rookie year. So why are we shocked that he's on one of the worst rosters in the NFL and he's not standing out physically? <laughs> you right. could, you could have read that scouting report before the draft even happened. So um, yeah. Anyways, I I, I know that that kind of people might say like, Hey, that kind of contrasts what you said about Mac Jones. Cause you got to be able to have, I a had a feeling
1: helps. some people would say it, but it's not the same.
0: I just don't think it's exactly the same. And I'm not tr- I'm not trying to be a hypocrite about it. I'm really not. Carolina's situation is different because Bryce was never going to be able to stand out physically. He was always going to be a long-term investment, but I I have always felt like the long-term investment was going to pay off. If I'm wrong about it, I'll absolutely eat it. But I'm telling you, I'm probably not going to eat it for another two to three years until we really know that this guy's physical abilities were that much of a deficiency that he can't hang in
1: the NFL. I'm just not ready to say that yet it reminds me of Tua being written off after two seasons imagine that's what how I, what i look at especially when you look at some of their shortcomings but also some of their strengths that's that's All right, what who, I we think of. who we got next who we got Gi- next giants dolphins okay i mean for me and this this thinks cuz he's it came down today that he's hurt he's dealing with a knee injury that we don't have a lot of information on but devon Achan just adds an entirely new dimension to miami's offense that it's great. You have all the speed on the outside with Tyreek and Waddle, and how you can use them in motion. And most it's always been the running back where it's like, okay, now we have speed in the backfield. But A Chan is a totally different level. It's like having Tyreek in the backfield almost, is how it, I would say I'm, it. I mean, it is, right? Yeah, basically, it's now hopefully he's okay. But when you look at A Chan, what you have. As a defense, you're really, and I know the Bills beat them and all that, and yes, there's there's a lot of takeaways there. It's a long NFL season. Teams are going to lose games. But the amount of stress Miami is putting at every level and every place because of how HN can run the ball right now, the blockers don't have to be perfect. You don't have to sustain your blocks very long because he's so fast. Right. You are creating so much space because of the speed you have outside at wide receiver that there's a lot of light boxes just watching this offense it's crazy what he can do for this team assuming he's healthy right now it is a, it is a total game changer for them having him in the backfield and he's i mean he's averaging over 12 yards a carry and it's it just looks like a joke some of these runs yeah uh, team speed man um, team speed is is what matters most and the dolphins have it at both skill position groups 100% um
0: Kyle Krause was tweeting out the, these clips and, and one of them showed how far the offensive linemen were getting up field on an outside run. And it's like, they don't just have athletes at skill positions. Like they have athletes along the offensive line. Like it's, it's team speed everywhere. They're just going to be way faster than you. And what my, what matters most, I'm sorry, Giants fans. I don't have a, I don't have a big take for, for you on this one. If you're, if you're not a tier one team in this league, Miami's going to destroy you. Like Miami has the ability to just absolutely put it embarrass on. you. Yeah. yeah. So, if I mean, I guess depending on how you want to divide up the teams in the NFL, tier one or tier two, but if you're anything beyond that, if you're a tier three, mid tier, lower tier team in the NFL, Miami's just going to bow race you. That's the type of team that they are. You can't have any deficiencies like that, or they're going to absolutely exploit it. So, that was my what matters most. I know it's a shorter one, but. It wasn't dolphins were, dolphins were dolphins are better than giants and i feel like we talked about it the giants a decent amount over the last couple of weeks so we'll save them for another
1: week yeah giants are falling into the draft team bucket so they are they are jets broncos speaking of a draft team bucket you're welcome to the party sean payton i mean why i saw why? you having
0: fun on uh on
1: um on SNY we, with the with the bucket hat and the shades and the and all <laughs> Yeah. I mean we we got our jokes off. You gotta have fun when the season's not going very well and the Jets got a really big win for themselves. That yeah. You know what mattered most in this game to me, and a game that was pretty sloppy for mm-hmm. a lot of it from the Jets and a lot of emotions is that their season stays alive because Brees Hall is just a totally different specimen at the He's position. Awesome. He's yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack with what makes Brees a gifted player in this league. Size, speed, feel, vision. It's so effortless. Angle eraser. The Jets have while Zach Wilson has to figure this thing out. And I thought he had a better game than a lot of people will give him credit for. I did not think the play calling from Hackett was very good in this game. I thought they put Zach in some tough situations. I think that Brees is the guy that he almost bails them out a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's just, this is like, this is before he got hurt last year, this is what they were doing to win. And now they're back to that formula. And it's scary because if he gets hurt again, I don't know how the Jets win games, but it's also promising because the Jets defense, when they don't sleepwalk into the first quarter, when they figure it out the next 3 mm mm-hmm. The Jets can win a lot of games with Brees Hall in their defense. He is that good. That is not me being a homer. Like, he is that good that he has that kind of effect that we've seen from some running backs in the league, whether it's McCaffrey had done it for the Panthers. Derrick Henry has done it for the Titans. Nick Chubb has done it for the Browns. Brees Hall, healthy, no pitch count, does that for the Jets. And this is the type of backs that you
0: draft high. Exactly. It's it's, it's the difference making we know and and individually difference making. Right. So you look at the force missed or the missed tackles force per attempt. You look at yards after contact per attempt. And Brees is doing really well in both of those areas. And so this is the type of player who. Yeah, okay, we both agree playing better up front is the main element of having a good rushing attack but every now and then there's going to be those runs where maybe it doesn't go perfectly for the offensive line you still need your running back to go be a playmaker he at least is that type of guy so when the blocking is perfect yeah he'll cut it loose and the stats will be great but even if it's not perfect you still have a player who can really make magic happen for you so i like that one as well uh, the what matters most for me is i think sean payton's about to go on a massive fire sale i think i think yeah, everybody i nuclear. think Everybody that can be moved in Denver is going to get moved. I think Cortland Sutton can get moved. I think Jerry Judy can get moved. People have talked about Frank Clark. I think Justin Simmons can get moved. I don't. I don't know exactly who's going to trade a lot for Justin Simmons. It's probably not worth them moving him. But if they're just trying to redo the roster entirely, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them. I think George Payton's probably out at this yep. off season, which is kind of crazy because Payton traded to get <laughs> Sean, uh, Sean Payton in there. But uh, I think that George Payton's going to be out. They've already moved on from, from Randy Gregory, which was a massive swing and a miss for them. I feel like a lot of other free agents that they brought in just have not hit. And uh, that's not good. I think there's just, there's too many things that are mounting against George Payton, keeping his job, especially if it's going to be in a power struggle for Sean Payton or George Payton. I think those at the very top are going to side with Sean Payton. So I just think a massive fire sale for the Denver Broncos is coming, man. I think they're, they're, they're absolutely in that top five, top three sweepstakes, whether or not they'd take a quarterback, you know, we'll get into those conversations later, but I I think uh, they're open for business for every team in the NFL that's looking for those players. So
1: I'm laughing at my hundred pound dog, just going over and like sticking her nose against my beer fridge in here. Just at mid-show, I'm like, what is she doing? And shes it's just, I think she sees her reflection in it's it. It's happy hour, brother. But it is happy hour when <laughs> we're recording this. She knows it. See, piggyback off your point, he better be right because, boy, is he making a point. Salah said after the game that they don't let Russell Wilson play quarterback. Do you know how bad – and I know there's a lot of bad blood between these teams – So, like, it's kind of all bets are off. You could say whatever you want. Like, you could totally Mm -hmm. shitpost after the game, which is pretty rare. Do you know how bad of a look that is? I mean, you're paying Russell Wilson a gazillion dollars a year, and the opposing coach gets on the podium after beating you and says, man, they don't even let that dude play quarterback. It's... That's the I, one for I me don't, where I don't ego know what can't Denver's get gonna way. do That's I think this is the one like you can fire you can get the GM fired you could trade right. Cortland Sutton you could right. trade whoever way you want you could say all this huff to the media and what point the finger and this is why it's going to be a bad year. you have to make this work with Russell Wilson and he is clearly not. and I don't know what the answer is because Denver' is going to be bad enough that they're going to be in range for a quarterback but like we it's, always say, Trevor, what? Like, where does this thing go? That's why I think you just
0: have to get rid of everybody else. You know, like you Man. just if it, it, you're I, moving I, on from Sutton, you're moving on from Judy. You're, I mean, every everybody's gone. You're just, you're. I think you're moving on from everybody that you possibly can at the deadline. You're getting as many 2024 and 2025 draft picks as you can. You're redoing the whole team, and you're basically saying we have Russ. We have until Russ who's becomes, drafting. What?
1: Who's drafting?
0: Sean Payton is. Ah, oh, okay. He's Sean Payton's gonna gonna take control. This is a oh, he is taking this is, control. This is a coup by Sean Payton. Let's this is real. an
1: absolute coup. Yeah. Phenomenal this word. This man's overthrowing the government. He has full Game of Thrones this, but not even in like the Littlefinger way. Kind of just in the hack and slash way. Like he came in with his battle axe and just started swinging it at everyone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All we right. Need, we need to have an episode where we look over like potential trade targets for teams.
1: Yes, we do. That is very on brand for
0: us because uh, Denver's got a lot that we could talk about with uh, potential destinations. Oh, we,
1: folks, we will be fixing franchises again. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's absolutely going to happen. What about Cincinnati at Arizona?
1: Cincinnati at Arizona. My big one here is just that this is a weird take. It's not really what matters most. It's an observation. Oh, okay. All right. I almost wonder if Joe Burrow and t hig and uh jamar chase when their backs are against the wall and all they have is each other are they at their best doesn't God, like, it feel what a great movie plot doesn't it feel like when and joe burrow looks healthy in this game that's what matters most like if we really want to that's play mine the so you okay. know you don't need it you don't need to, don't okay, need to talk too you. much because i'll yeah. get into it but i just look at it and jamar had a weird start to the year and mm. was, was vocal, as he should be. Like, I'm always open, you know. 7-11, I just, baby. Yeah, I, I love Jamar Chase so much. <laughs> I look at them, they are just so good together and know each other so well mm. that it felt like when everything was on the line, it's like, let's just get back to what we do, and that is carving defenses by unloading an insane amount of volume on... Who Joe Bur- in Joe Burrow's mind is probably the best wide receiver in the world. Yeah, and it's simple. It's a simple take, but it almost feels like T being hurt and all these problems and everything going wrong for the Bengals just led to the most simple solution. Is that nuts?
0: No, it's it it's it's not. Sometimes you really do just have to have to simplify things, and you know, unfortunately, I don't I don't know if this is necessarily the case, but this is a this is a a tough game for T Higgins' camp of pay me top 10 wide receiver money because we talked about this last week when we went through the no notes episode. Higher on the priority list of signing T Higgins is making sure you have the cash to sign Jamar chase because he's the better receiver. We talk he about is. it all we talk about it all the time. Oh, Higgins would be a number one on other teams. You're right. And that's great praise for for Higgins. He's a phenomenal wide receiver. But the fact of the matter is that we're still saying that statement. And he is on the Bengals and he's not wide receiver one. Why? Because Jamar Chase exists. And so I agree with you, man. I think that uh sometimes when the back is against the wall, you need that go-to guy. You you just need that player that Whether it's, hey, we got to start this drive off with a good first down. We got to march down the field. We got to at least get into field goal range. You're going to Jamar Chase. Hey, third down. We need it here. We got to make it happen. You go to Jamar Chase. Hey, we're calling a shot play. Number one, you're getting the ball. Get open 50 yards down the field. You're going to Jamar Chase.
1: 100%. I mean, it's it's like that simple. Sometimes it's that simple. I mean, to put it in the version of us, it's like if we got to hit some some big numbers, not rookie numbers, you and I are going to, you know, Back to back, we're gonna mock draft. <laughs> Horde mode, one hundred percent. Everybody's <laughs> coming at us, and all we got in our pockets is a mock draft, a three, a three rounder. Thirty thousand um, views.
0: My, <laughs> and we love you all for it for watching. And we do. We um, really do. My what matters most is Joe Burrow's healthy, man. Uh, the the player that played against the Arizona Cardinals looked absolutely nothing like the player that had played the previous few weeks. Nothing. I mean, there was zip on those passes. There was full confidence. There was velocity. There was distance. There was everything. That guy is way more healthy and a completely different quarterback. And we saw it against Arizona. So I don't know if he did steroids before the week. I don't know if they shot him up with the finest painkillers that money can buy. I don't know what well, happened. All I, I know is I do. <laughs> all, all I know is they need that. They need to do whatever they did the previous week for every week, the rest of the season, because if that version of Joe burrow is playing this team gets back to being the division favorites and a team that's going to compete uh, for a deep playoff run again. So that is my, what matters most there chiefs Vikings. This so, one. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, please. Okay. Well, do you have a, do you
1: have a, a, a game specific? What matters most? Cause I have a little bit more of a micro no, that yeah, no, sense. I don't. I have a big picture. Vikings, what matters most, and it goes back to my format of really asking a question.
0: Instead. Okay, all right, let's do yours. So Chiefs win this game, twenty-seven to twenty. Chiefs they've won four in a row. They dropped the first game of the season when they didn't have Chris Jones or Travis Kelsey, and uh, now they're with those guys wow shocker um so they win this game minnesota another one score loss it's just the story of you're a vikings fan you know whether you win or you lose it's just going to be one score game every time so that's a uh at least an entertaining ticket but what what is your question that you wanted to pose for this one
1: so depending on the severity of justin jefferson's injury and kevin o'connell's like verbiage and body language and it's all not been good not to make assumptions i hope justin jefferson is fine it's just been a lot of weird Responses. I think he said he had to console him because he's a big competitor. What do the Vikings want to accomplish this season, Trevor? I mean, what, are they, what do they want to accomplish? Because right now, they they haven't been able to win. Yes, they have the Bears, and it's not a gimme. But after the Bears, you got the Niners. Yeah, maybe a surprise. It's hard to see them beating that team. Green Bay, always going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. The Falcons and Saints look really tough right now. Like, there's winnable games on the Vikings schedule, but what does it matter if they beat the Bears, or they beat the Broncos, or they beat the Raiders? It doesn't. It doesn't, because no. they still got two against the Lions, who are looking like a house. They still got the Niners. Yeah. They still got the Falcons. They, they still have the Bengals. I, what is? What do they want to be this season? What, what like? What is it? Because we keep thinking Kirk Cousins is not there after this year. Now your best player is probably going to miss some time. Mm -hmm. They are a one foot in, one foot out franchise right now.
0: They are, which is the worst place to be.
1: Worst place to be where I almost think what matters most to the Vikings is back in a way. Like, just pick up whatever chips you have left and walk away from the table. You're drunk. You're wasted. (laughs) You didn't have a good night at the table. Just go back to the room and sleep it off. Yeah, but how do, do how do they do that? How do they do? Because I would, I, I well, wanted to sarcastically, it. I Step wanted one. to
0: sarcastically say to you, like, oh, what do they want to be this year? I'll tell you what they want to be. They want to be three and fourteen. That's what they want to be at the end of the season because that gets you the quarterback that you want to actually move forward as a franchise. So that is my snarky, sarcastic draft head answer. But
1: yes, I don't know if Minnesota is going to let them do that. No, they need to have, they need to self scout and they need to have. In a You know, kind of this revelation of sorts. And I said this weeks ago, like if you wait too long to trade Kirk Cousins, and I get why you can't, but there's nowhere for him to go eventually. And now you're at the point where they are. I know it's we're draft guys and people probably get sick of hearing this from draft guys all the time, but they are in my heart, truly, one of the teams that if they lose a lot this year, like Drake may lose a lot this year. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the reset the Vikings would have? You already have Justin Jefferson. You already have Jordan Addison. I like your head coach. This is the the year to be really shitty. It's the dream. This is the the year. Embrace it. Embrace it. And I know it's a lot more complex than just guy on the internet saying that. But I just, man, you tried and it didn't work.
0: I mean, look. You know, I agree. It's a lot better to be bad, hit like really bad one year, and then just be really good for the next, maybe 10. Because in this league, sometimes that's all it takes. And in this draft, I feel like that maybe is all it takes. Um, I know the NFL doesn't work like that, but Losing shouldn't have too bad of a sting if you're a Vikings fan right now. My uh, my what matters most is more of a kind of a draft observation. I looked at how well Jordan Addison was really playing this past weekend, and I was thinking about some of the other receivers, and I was thinking about size with wide receivers. And we talked about percentiles. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the show. These wide receivers that I'm about to name are all 10th percentile or less players. Tank Dell, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Tutu Atwell, Devin yeah. Tompkins, Josh Downs, Devontae Smith. All of them. Actually, no, Josh Downs is not a below ten percentile weight player, but he is a smaller receiver. So he's got to be close. All the rest of the guys are below ten percentile. You can win at the NFL level if you are very, very small and you're a receiver. I think that matters a lot more for other positions, but, you know, just as a scouting lesson is i'm kind of going through this because uh, it always evolves you know how you see the league and how you scout what can work and what doesn't small receivers can win in this in this in this current league they can if you are if you have an elite enough trait especially when it comes to separation whether it's footwork whether it's uh just overall quickness whether it's deep speed something i think those are probably the main three if you can really separate you can play at this level and yep. Devin Tompkins and Tank Dell were two players who were monster producers in college that I thought there's no way these guys can play at the NFL level. I mean, they are they are is Bantamweight is smaller than no featherweight is probably what it should go. Featherweight They're, is what you're These guys for. are featherweight fighters, and you're about to put them in the NFL. At receiver, it's okay. It's, it, it's really all right. If you can learn how to separate the height and the weight, doesn't really
1: matter. The best you know, coaches. Bantamweight. are weight is bantam weight Bant- less than featherweight. Bantam weight. I should know this. Like I once upon a time, I was a I huge boxing fan. Bantam weight is one fifteen to one eighteen. Featherweight's about one twenty six. Okay. Bantam weight, man. You get bantam
0: weight like... receivers. How do you eat? who are, what do you eat?
1: Who are st- succeeding do you
0: at the NFL level? And I don't know, that was just an observation as I was watching the Vikings game and I was watching Jordan Addison continue to succeed. And I was somebody who, I was really worried about the size. I was. Getting to the NFL level, you're going up against these receivers where, whether it's in press coverage or whether it's at the contact window or whether it's at the stem of a route, whatever, you're going you're gonna to have these corners that are going to get up into you. And are you going to be able to break away from it? Are you going to be able to, be able to play when the ball comes to you catch through the catch through contact. Can you still separate the way that you did at the college level? And I was kind of concerned with a lot of these guys and you know, best coaches are just scheming these guys up, man. They're just getting them open. They're using those traits the right way. And uh, it's not necessarily a kiss of death for a lot of these small receivers if they can separate really well.
1: So, yep. I think there's so much to it. The spacing of the game. The This is like a old man thing, but back in 2003, Playing at that size, you'd be knocked out of the game if you came across the middle. No joke. Yep. It's you can't do that anymore. So much has changed, and and good for these guys that are making plays and making it in the league and are exciting to watch. Quite frankly, I think we have one game left. Uh, we got two games
0: left. Really quick, we got because we got um, Eagles, Rams, and then uh, Cowboys, Niners. So we got two more games. Yes, left. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. the NFL season is going strong. DraftKings Sportsbook hooking up new customers with an offer that gets even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week um, to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of their sweetener offer every single game day this October. Get in on game day greatness, download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use the promo code PFF. New customers can score just $200, can score $200 in, in instantly in bonus bets when you have $5 on any NFL game. That's promo code PFF. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. All right. Um Eagles, Rams. Eagles win this game 23 to 14. Uh, Eagles unbeaten on the season, they're 5-0. My what matters most is I think the Eagles have the highest floor in the NFL. I think there's only one game where they didn't score at least 20 points over the last two years, and that was there, sorry, there's one game in which they haven't scored 20 points in which Jalen Hurts did not play because there was another game that they played late in the season that Gardner Minshew played. Yeah, But other than that, there's only been one contest over the last two years where they have not scored at least 20 points. I think the Eagles' dominance in both trenches, offensive and defensive, not that they're not stacked in other positions as well, but it makes it so they are. They have the highest floor in the league. They have the highest floor in the league. No matter what team you are, you have to at least bring a good effort on both sides of the ball to hang with the Philadelphia Eagles. They're just, they are, I don't want to jinx them here, but like they feel bad game proof, you know? Yeah, they wear you out. Like whether they end up hitting their ceiling every single week is kind of a different question. That's a matter of execution and game planning and all that. But when's the last time the Eagles haven't had a bad game? They don't. And have bad games. Maybe to their standards they do, but certainly they not lost to the, the Commanders. Rest of the Wasn't
1: that a primetime game last year? I feel like they had a bad game then. Speaking the um, had that they point to last season. They Yeah, but whatever. It's it's one game. You don't Exactly. Know what no, I know. I'm not like being smug. I'm just saying it's amazing that that's what you have to look back to. So that's what I think. I think the
0: Eagles have the highest floor in the league. I didn't really learn much with the Rams. No. They're going to be super competitive this year. Again, like Rams are another team where if you don't at least be competitive they can sneak up and beat you. Matthew Stafford's playing that well. And so, um, yeah, those are my takeaways.
1: My quick Rams one is, is, you know, what matters most for the long term of this team is that cup and Puka Nakua can play together. It's not like one guy is the guy for Sean McVay and he's schemed up and he, they, they can. And with Tutu Atwell is the other guy. They can, they really have a lot of balance in this wide receiver core to be highly effective. Um, They just, they have a lot of other areas of this roster they need to improve, and they're not in the Eagles class right now. So, uh, okay. I, I didn't want Puka to be written out of that offense because Cooper Cup was back, and he wasn't. Cowboys
0: Niners was never close. Niners also 5 and 0, 42 10. What was your, uh, what matters
1: most from this one? They're the best team in the NFL. They are undoubtedly, yeah, I agree, the best team in the NFL. They are the best coached. They have the best skill players in terms of depth and top-end talent. And even when they have to get away from some of those guys, they have George Kittle. They are well-coached in terms of their blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. They have Nick Bosa, who is an absolute freak up front and can wreck the game. They're And they're well-coached on both sides of the ball. So And Brock Purdy is plenty enough for them to win the Super Bowl. I'll say it. Yep. I don't know who the hell this Brock Purdy is from the guy that started four years at Iowa State. It makes me question this job at times. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had him ranked that year. It's not that I didn't have him ranked, but I mean, he's the last pick of the draft. So the NFL is sitting there and going, what? Right. But I, it's maybe it's boring to people. The Niners are there's not this I'm not waiting for some shoe to drop or the rug to be pulled out or I have
0: been for a long time. And it's It's not not happening. It's not coming.
1: It's not coming. It's not coming. They are unbelievable to watch right now. Unbelievable.
0: I I agree. I I, my note for if you didn't give a San Francisco point, uh, I was going to say San Francisco should be Super Bowl favorites right now. They should. I've I've been waiting over the last year and a half uh, for Brock Purdy to, as we've said many times before on the show, turn back into a pumpkin. It's just not happening.
1: No, it's not. not He's he's for real. He's here. He's their quarterback.
0: And Shanahan makes things easier for quarterbacks. And now we could say that now Purdy not only hits the easy throws. Now he's starting to hit the harder throws. I mean, the big time throw rate is almost double this year. I think like he's pushing the ball down the field. He's actually making difficult throws. He's hanging on to the ball. I mean, this team's dangerous. They're very, very dangerous. As long as they're healthy, I think they're Super Bowl favorites. I agree with you. Um, my Cowboys' point for what matters most is I think through the first couple of weeks in the season, we talked about the Cowboys being a potential Super Bowl contenders. And they still yeah. are. I'm not like totally writing them no, off. No, I'm not writing them off. But they've had blowout wins against the Giants, the Jets, and the Patriots. And then they had like that comeback. Well, no, actually, they, they lost the card. Sorry, I forgot.
1: Yeah, they they definitively lost. So they have,
0: they have really beat up on three teams that are all in top-10 draft position at this point, and then they've lost to another team that is also in a top-10 draft position. So I wasn't as hot on the Cowboys. As it seemed like a lot of people were going into the season, and... I'm certainly not now. Like, I still think this is a playoff team in the NFC, but those absolute slackings early in the year, I think got to come with some question marks now that they just went to San Francisco and got their butt whooped.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they, the the ugly things are rearing their head with the Cowboys as much as I really like them that Mike McCarthy can shit the bed at any moment in terms of play calling. Right. Dak in a big spot turns the ball over. Man. Yeah. The I mean, that's it. And they've dealt with some injuries like everyone else has. And unlike some teams, I don't know if they have the depth to overcome them. That's the thing with the Cowboys. They are held back by, I think, their coach. And I'm a huge Dak guy. But games like this drive you nuts. They yep. drive you totally nuts. It, he's not the same runner that he used to be which I is agree. a big element. It's, I agree. I'm not I think the Cowboys are in for a you know still a really good season, but you the Niners will bring out your warts. That's kind of
0: how I put it. For sure. Yeah. I'm a big Dak guy too. We have talked about him very highly on the show and I still think he's a very good quarterback. Um he's kind of just entering that territory for me of do I believe when it comes to winning a super bowl you've got to win at least three or four games against opponents that only get tougher in the postseason do i believe that Dak's gonna have a three four game stretch against some of the best teams in the nfl without having a performance kind of like what we saw last night i don't know i'm I'm sort of losing faith in that i don't think that he i don't think that he lacks the ability to have the ceiling to be an incredible quarterback because we do see that but can he put it together for those three or four games that you would need in a playoff? I'm starting to doubt that. So that's kind of why I've, I've, I've always kind of been cooled on the Cowboys overall, but that's an area where now I'm starting to question if Dak's going to be able to have that consistency and um, maybe they catch it, maybe they catch it hot and maybe they make a big run in the playoffs. Cause I think they have the ability to, but I'm just a little kind of shaky with that. Uh, those are what matters most from week five in the NFL. Let us know what you thought on our takes on your own takes. Sound off in the YouTube comments, youtube.com backslash NFL stock exchange. The best way to do that. If you're audio only hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Tampa Bay Tray at Connor J Rogers. We love hearing from you guys when it comes to these episodes. So um, fire them off, fire off the comments and and we'll be reading them and responding to them um, on that YouTube channel. Connor, got anything else before we get out of here?
1: No, I think that sums it up. Well, fun show. I'm excited to see what everybody else thinks about whether it's their team, another team. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll look at some draft stuff in the midweek.
0: I was gonna say I think we might have to do a stock up stock down. I think so episode, too because I've watched a couple of guys, one of which I put in my I one of which I would just say I had not watched before the season, and I put him in my top twenty. Whoa, hello! So you know, leave me on hold like that. I want to talk. I want to talk about him. Yeah, I can't, I gotta. I gotta leave the teaser for the people. So you know, you're I, just you're, you're unfortunately. Yeah
1: the people that's fine no i absolutely am it's better content if i don't know i'm with you too there was somebody else that i watched this weekend and then i watched this film and could be around one ish player Mm -hmm. um so definitely i we're jonesing for some stock watch stuff we'll we'll get into it we'll get back to the roots of the show the nfl draft i'm trevor sykema that
0: is connor rogers thank you guys so much for watching the nfl stock exchange podcast we'll see you on wednesday